Well, would you look at that? It's already time for another episode of The Arnie's. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host today, Matt Johnson, a.k.a. the guy that's pretty upset that Kristen Milioti got snubbed at the Golden Globes. I'm Keith Baker, a.k.a. the guy who installed a shower lock, just in case James Bond shows up. And I'm Austin Terry, a.k.a. the guy that thinks Rocky is a boring movie. Golly, it's our just a ragtag group we got on this podcast. <laughs> so we hope you all out there had another great week. It's certainly been a long week for me, so I am very happy to be back with you guys talking movies and TV. Some friends and I have been watching one Nicolas Cage movie a week, and this week... We finally did The Wicker Man. And let me tell you, it was not as fun on the fourth or fifth revisit. As for new content, I checked out the new Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto movie, The Little Things, on HBO Max. Definitely mixed on it, but ultimately I'm glad I watched it. What about you two? Did you guys watch any good content this week? Well, Matt, just for you, I also watched The Little Things on HBO Max, (laughs) and I feel the exact same way. I think it was just okay, but I'm still glad I watched it. Um, And then I also checked out... Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which is kind of the culmination of the Flashpoint movies that the Warner Bros. animation team has been working on. And uh, it's fantastic. Kind of made me wonder, why can't we do this in live action? God, I wish. I wish. I got to check that one out. I've been watching most of the animated ones, but I have not seen that one yet. So I'll put that on the list. What about you, Keith? Yeah, well, I've been continuing to watch Vikings. I think Mm -hmm. I'm on episode five or six now. And then I also checked out the movie Triple Nine, which I had been wanting to see for a while. It's got a pretty big cast, and you guys should check it out. I I recommend it. Cool. All right. Another one to add to the list. And of course, along with all that good stuff, WandaVision on Disney Plus is of course a regular part of our weekly TV consumption. This is our third bonus series, in case you didn't know. We started by covering The Boys and The Mandalorian Season 2, so be sure to check out those reviews if you're a fan. Just scroll up on your podcast feeds wherever you get your podcasts, and just check out our catalog of movies, TV, and gaming content. You can also subscribe to The Arnie's on YouTube and listen to all our episodes that way if you prefer. This is your first episode of The Arnie's. Welcome! We're very happy to have you. Our main episodes come out every Tuesday. Last week, we continued our Daniel Craig James Bond retrospective and review series with Skyfall. So, Keith, how'd you feel about that episode, and what was the highlight, do you think, of that recording? It was a fun one. Skyfall is a fun rewatch, so definitely go back and watch that one and then listen to our episode. Highlight of that recording, man, there were so many good moments, (laughs) but we all know it. The funniest part is probably breaking down... And we said at the be- when I said at the beginning of this, is breaking down the uh, the shower scene yeah. with James being creepy. <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of the funnier moments. But yeah, just a fun rewatch overall. Totally agree. Lots of good stuff in there. Tons of Home Alone references, and we even imagined an alternate universe of what if Macaulay Culkin had been in that movie. We kind of pretended about some of the lines that could have come out, and man, we were laughing. So go check that one out. You'll have a good time. As for this coming Tuesday, we are finally returning for part two to our first ever game of Dungeons and Dragons. We released the first part a couple weeks ago, and it's time to wrap up the first chapter of our campaign along with our special guest, Nick, from the Very Good Adventuring team. Austin, since this concept was your idea, why don't you tell me how you think this episode is shaping up, and what can people expect from part two specifically? Yeah, man, part two is really fun. We got to give another shout out to Nick, of course, from the Very Good Adventuring team. We really would not have been able to do that episode without him. Um, I think it's safe to say part one, we were still kind of getting our feet wet, learning the rules a little bit, and part two is a little bit more action-packed, so be sure to look out for that on Tuesday. Nice. I'm excited. I totally agree. I think that's the best way to put it. Part one is definitely, I think you can get some enjoyment out of it just to see some people that have never played D&D try and figure it out, but this part, we definitely took our time 
and I think we actually made it pretty interesting, and it sounded like Nick might have agreed. I think for some newbies, we made some interesting choices, so check that out. Stay tuned. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Clearly, we have some great content out now and some more exciting stuff on the way. It's going to be a great few months. Also, we want to hear from you. Keep that in mind. So send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Let us know how you're feeling about WandaVision so far and all this other fun content. And of course, speaking of WandaVision, it's time to return to the mystery of Westview for the fifth and full house Growing Pains Who's the Boss and Roseanne-inspired episode of WandaVision. We are officially over halfway through the season. I've just been absolutely loving this series so far. They've somehow balanced the fun, laid-back aspects of a sitcom with those storylines and also this really dark, creepy mystery building in the background. Last week, they really pulled the curtain back for us to show some of the -the behind-the-scenes actions outside Wanda's bubble. I know you guys have been particularly loving the mystery of the show, so now that they showed us so much and gave us a bunch of answers last week, did the show maintain its momentum moving into the back half of the season for you? It's time to break it down. With that said, Austin and Keith, why don't you give everyone just a quick reminder of your thoughts on the first batch of episodes and give us your non-spoiler thoughts on episode five. Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly, Matt. For me, I always found the mystery of why they're in the sitcom world to be the more interesting aspect of the show, and that's really what I was wanting them to focus on in the beginning. They finally found a way to have a good mix, I think, especially in this new episode of giving us the sitcom content, but then also giving us some of the mystery. And so I got to say, man, season one of the show, I think, is is up to a level now where I just think it's incredible. I can't wait to watch it every week, and it's just so much dang fun. I think I have to echo what you just said, Austin. It's been it's been a fun ride so far. The first two episodes were, you know, a bigger mystery with the whole sitcom thing and not knowing what really what that was. And now I'm, I am glad that they kind of revealed a little bit more to that and what's going on behind the scenes. I think this episode is definitely drawing up a lot of questions, so I don't know about you guys, but I got some questions. Oh, yeah. I think that's a good point, Keith, because last week we were wondering, like, where do we go from here? They gave us so much, and now I think I have just as many questions as I did last week. I don't want to echo you guys too much. I just want to jump in, but just to give my quick non-spoiler thoughts, I totally agree. I was worried last week. I did love last week's episode, but the only thing that I think had me a bit down on it was what Austin just said. It's like, ah, really? You're giving us every single answer at once? I don't really love the way they handled that. But, I mean, here we are a week later with episode five, and there's just as many questions, and I think these questions are a bit more interesting. So, I don't know how they did it. They've totally maintained the momentum, and like Austin said, the balance here is perfect. It gave us an actual really fun sitcom plot that was funny, but now that they've pulled back the curtain after last week, it's much darker now inside the sitcom as well. So, it's just it's just fantastic. So, before we go too far into it, somebody give me the spoiler warning. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. This is it, everybody. This is your spoiler warning. If you have not seen episode five of WandaVision, do not listen any further because we are going to spoil everything. So give us a pause, go check it out, and then come on back to hear our thoughts. Without further ado, Austin, why don't you give us the rigmarole? Give us the cast and crew for episode five. Alright, so WandaVision, of course, is created by Jack Schaefer. This episode is directed by Matt Shackman and written by Peter Cameron and Mackenzie Dorr. And for our cast, we have Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, Paul Bettany as Vision, Catherine Hahn as Agnes, Tayona Paris as Monica Rambo, Randall Park as Jimmy Woo, Kat Dennings as Darcy Lewis, and now for the big one, Evan Peters as Pietro Maximoff slash Quicksilver, In a shocking move, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Matt, I know you're sad about this one. I did not see this coming. (laughs) Aaron Taylor Johnson is not back. Instead, Marvel chose to bring in 
Evan Peters, who played the same character in the X-Men universe, We'll have to see how they integrate this character further into the MCU. Crazy. I want to I wanna save the Evan Peters talk. Obviously, that's kind of the ending of the episode. We have a whole discussion topic on that. So besides that, is there anything you guys wanted to call out about the cast and crew here, the writing team, or anything from episode five on a very special episode is the title? Weirdly, for as much as we brought her up, I think this episode has the most Catherine Hahn uh, content in this episode. She certainly is in like a large portion of this episode. And I, I just think she's so great in this show. I, I, I want to know so badly what's happening with her character, but just from a performance standpoint, I think Catherine Hahn is nailing it. Yeah. I think I'm, I'll second that Austin. Yeah. Catherine Hahn as Agnes is getting, I do think there is more mystery coming out in her character, which I think is cool to see. And I'm anxious to find out for sure. Totally agree. Um, I just, I'm kind of in awe of this show. It's been basically perfect for me up until this point. I have some nitpicks here and there that we'll get into, but I've just been having so much fun. And it's easy to call them out because they're the leads. But, I mean, my highlight for this episode really is Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany in particular, since we'll get into why. But Vision kind of, uh, I think, kind of catches on to some things this episode. And there are some scenes. I think Paul Bettany was just, in particular, fantastic this episode. So I just wanted to give him a shout. And I think with that... Let me give everybody a quick reminder of what went down in this episode. So, we have moved into the 1980s. You may get to see Wanda and Vision as brand new parents. They struggle to soothe Tommy and Billy until Agnes barges in as per usual. And everything seems fine until Agnes acknowledges that she is in a sitcom, which alarms Vision, understandably. Before they can talk about it, Tommy and Billy age rapidly a few years. As time goes on, Wanda uses her powers in front of Agnes, heightening Vision's concerns even more. A family dog is introduced, and the kids age another five years. At work, Vision reads an email from S.W.O.R.D. that reveals the situation in Westview. He's able to break Wanda's influence on Norm and realizes he is there involuntarily, he's in pain while Wanda is in his head, and he's been stolen away from his family. Meanwhile, S.W.O.R.D. continues to evaluate the situation and learns more about the Hex, and how it changes objects as they move through the field. They send a drone from the 1980s into Westview and attempt to kill Wanda on Hayward's orders. She emerges from the static field and warns Hayward to leave her alone, shielding Westview with a stronger field. After Sparky unexpectedly dies, the twins ask their mother to bring him back to life, but she urges them to learn to deal with their grief, which clearly puts Wanda in pain since we find out in the very same episode from Hayward that Wanda broke into S.W.O.R.D. and resurrected Vision's body days before the events of the show. Vision returns from work and confronts Wanda about controlling the town, but Wanda says that not everything is under her control and that she actually doesn't even remember how this all started. They are interrupted as usual. We thought it was going to be Agnes, but no. Pietro Maximoff, a.k.a. Quicksilver, arrives at the front door. Watching the broadcast, Darcy notes that Pietro has been recast and may or may not look eerily similar to his Fox X-Men Universe counterpart. A commercial during the WandaVision program advertises Lagos paper towels for when you make a mess that you didn't mean to. Of course, referencing Lagos when Wanda Maximoff basically, I don't know what you want to say, she destroyed a building and killed a bunch of people during the events of Civil War on accident. So there you go. That's our plot. Dude, that scene when Wanda emerges from the Hex, so good. She looks so intimidating. I know. Well, it was so weird because I forgot like her hair color. I forgot that's what her outfit looked like. And she was speaking in her accent, which I was like, oh, so it's kind of weird because we've seen her like break character in the sitcom and she wasn't using it. So it was kind of jarring in a cool way. But what a great scene. I totally agree. As great as Elizabeth Olsen is in this show, uh, 
still hasn't quite nailed the Russian accent. Nope. I will say though, <laughs> Evan Peters, Evan Peters is much worse. I think his his accent is just well. He wasn't doing one though. He was just doing like an '80s accent. I feel like whatever he was doing, I thought he was trying to be Russian, and it sounded oh. terrible. <laughs> I don't think he was. I don't know what he sounded like. I was confused by that. He's like, it's me, your brother. Well, yeah, I, th- <laughs> I, I thought he was being just like, clearly the way he's dressed, I thought he was trying to be like the kooky. Well, because they also set up he's the long lost brother. So he's kind of like a layabout, like loser 80s sitcom character. So I kind of like that whenever he's like, in, it's like, well, you, you can't, I can't give a hug to your long lost brother. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was cool to see him, but I really hope he drops that stick. In well, the next, and I bet he episode. will, though, because it's going to move to the 90s next week. And so they're going to do what they always do in this show, which is the characters will change a little bit and they won't acknowledge it. So I bet I bet they were just doing that for the 80s. I think he'll be not doing that next time around because he didn't speak at all with an accent in the X-Men movies. In fact, his name was Peter Maximoff in those movies, which I always found weird. So I think we'll be OK. I think we'll be OK. I hope so. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and start us off today with our roundtable discussion. We have a lot to talk about, so let's just get into it. Like I kind of already said, this episode was perfect to me. I didn't expect to already see the balance of the show fully formed after the last episode being completely sword focused. I love that the episode was a little bit longer than the others in order to focus on the sitcom, but still have time to fully cut away. So I think they cut away out to the bubble like three times at least. And I felt them cutting back was always super meaningful and either advanced the plot in cool ways or explained a bit more about what Wanda was doing leading up to the Westview incident and then what our characters like Jimmy Woo and Darcy are up to outside. And the sitcom stuff really leaned into the reality of the world breaking even more. They even brought the storylines together, like we mentioned, by having Wanda leave the bubble to interact with S.W.O.R.D. So did the balance of sitcom and mystery work for you guys? I want to hear about some of your highlights in that sense. Yeah, dude, I think they nailed it this week. They gave me exactly what I've been asking for in the past couple episodes where I want to know the mystery. You can do the sitcom, but you got to give more time to the mystery. And they found a way to just nail it perfectly, like you said. I think the pacing in this episode is excellent. And every time that we're outside the bubble, I found myself looking forward to getting back into the sitcom to learn more. So I, I just, yeah, it's inc- this episode is incredible. I'm with you, Austin. This is exactly what we were talking about last episode. Uh, yeah, we, pr- we predicted that it was going to be like this going, you know, bouncing back and forth. And I, yeah, I think they, they blended it perfectly. And I like that they're still doing the like the live audience singing in the sitcom. I was kind of worried they were going to take that away and it would just kind of be them and bouncing through the de- different decades. But I'm glad the entire sitcom thing is still there. Well, and I also love how every time the live out the live audience goes away, that's when like you know shit's about to go down. Yeah, like it's it's kind of a cool audience cue. Exactly. Yeah. Another huge highlight for me this week was the Wanda and Vision drama in this episode. Um, you know, last week we were saying that Vision had a weird look on his face and this episode kind of kicks back up with, yeah, Vision Vision is not fully on board with any of this stuff anymore. So what did you guys think about their interactions? Vision now being fully aware that nothing is right in the town he's living in. And then also that final fight scene between Wanda and Vision as well. I really enjoyed the part where Vision uh, turns Norm back into his uh actual self for like a minute or so mm-hmm. i thought that was really cool and kind of scary actually he's like screaming for help on the inside yeah such a crazy character break such a great scene and it made me think about the scene from the first episode when vision uses his i don't know what you would call it like his density shifting powers to basically because he can i guess he can shift he can move through objects like whenever he pulled the blockage out of mr hart's throat it kind of made me think it's like Because they showed us in this episode that Wanda basically broke into S.W.O.R.D. and found his body that they clearly had dismembered and were experimenting on and she somehow brought him back to life. But it made me wonder, it's like, 
Vision's whole thing was that he couldn't survive without the Mind Stone in his forehead, and then Thanos ripped it out. So it's like, how did she bring him back? And how did she bring him back with his ability to use these powers? Like, it just made me think even more, like, what is her power level? It just seems so crazy, but I absolutely loved it. And you guys are right. I mean, I think I think these interactions between Wanda and Vision were just so amazing and culminating in the fight at the end that I was like, where's this going? And it was actually emotional, too. I mean, Vision talking about, like, I don't even remember who I am. I don't remember you talk about before. I don't know what that even means. I'm happy here, but... It's just not good. And I like that Vision was almost like the audience proxy when he's like, Wanda's saying, isn't our family unit enough for you? And he's basically like, of course it is. Hell yeah, it is. But the cost is too high. These people are hostages here. Like, that's not okay. And like, I loved how he was like, Norm is in pain, Wanda. That was the first thing he said. He was like, he's in pain. Whenever he's under your influence, it's not like he's, he does not like he wakes up from a nap. It's like, it was actually painful. And and Monica Rambo uh, echoed the same thing. And he does. He has a family that doesn't know where he is. He can't contact them like this. The cost is too high for us to have this life and her breaking down and then that leading to Pietro with that interruption. It was just, yeah, the Wanda and Vision stuff in this was top notch. I don't know how Paul Bettany does it because midway through the argument that, that first it starts off with him in human form and then he switches to android form. And regardless of whether he's in character as Vision or, or as a human, he conveys so much emotion on his face. And I just, I was really feeling for him during this argument. It was so good. And I liked that uh, Wanda kind of tried to do for the third time in this show, because we saw her with the beekeeper. She reround time to kind of ease Vision's mind, like when he was like, what the hell is that? And then in the third episode, when he was like, Wanda, everybody's, cre-, like the neighbors are, something's wrong, like something's wrong here. And then she did the little like jump cut glitch and then eased his mind again. And in here, she tried to do it. When Whenever she tried, he, like he and was the like, the fight's not over. And then she's like, I'm going to go to bed because I guess it's like when we go to bed, it advances time in this world in a weird way. He even said, I'm not going to bed and then having you rearrange the world again. So yep. I guess I guess it's implying that she's doing this while everyone's asleep. Yeah, well, I think that's important to mention because they said that Wanda stole Vision's body nine days ago. So, I mean, they're jumping fast in terms of how time moves in the I think the people in the world, maybe it's slower for them. But in terms of actually the actual time it's pretty quick so it makes sense that she does it like day to day but and even the kids acknowledged that they were like why is dad at work it's saturday she's like no it's monday so it's kind of this just a weird thing but so good and then she tried to force the credit roll and then he just kind of bursts through it and like like austin said yeah, he switched to awesome. his android form so it was so good so matt you did bring up wanda's powers there and i just i have a question for you guys are they are they leaning too much in to wanda's powers level in the show do you think because there's a, char- a character in this episode has a line where they're, where basically they're like, Wanda could have handled Thanos on her own. And it's like, I know she's powerful, but is she really that powerful? Like, I always thought, like, the way it's kind of been explained to us in the MCU is that Captain Marvel is, like, the most powerful Avenger. I guess I'm just curious how powerful Wanda is supposed to be in this universe. Um, it's a good question. Uh, I did like that conversation, though, with uh, Jimmy Woo and, and Darcy and Monica, because... They, they were both right because uh, they were like, well, Wanda could have taken Thanos on her own. It does kind of beg the question how they knew that. It's not like they were there. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. But the point is, we when we watched Avengers Endgame, whenever Wanda returns from being snapped, they were right, technically. Whenever she gets there, she's the only one that gives Thanos a run for his money. She basically like does her crazy hand moment, like motions, lifts him into the air, and it seems like she's about to rip him apart. And then they called it out in this episode. The only reason she didn't finish the job is because Thanos had to literally call in like a suicide bombing strike that like landed on them, too. So... She probably could have done it. And then they were like, well, Captain Marvel could have too. But I get what you're saying. 
And this is a problem I have with a lot of superhero content. I feel like superheroes as time has gone on are so less defined. It's like you miss the days when you have Flash. Flash is superpower. He can run real fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's really it. And you can do some cool stuff with that. It's like he can run so fast that he can like uh, go back in time. It's like it's pretty easy to digest. But then you have Superman who has like every super like superpower in the world. It's like oh, that's kind of annoying. Wanda, I think they've botched it in the MC up until this point because they've said that she's a telepath and they've said that she can move objects with her mind. And that's really it. That's all she's been. In the comics, there's way more to it than that. In the comics, she can like bend reality and stuff like that. So it's kind of like zero to 100, I guess you could say. Like this show is just all of a sudden going into that. But I do like that they're acknowledging it. I do like that Jimmy Woo is like, I thought she was just a telepath. I mean, this stuff we're talking about. I mean, you're saying she created these children from solid matter? Like these kids aren't real people. She created them? Like that's way more than she's ever done before. So at least they're acknowledging it. But I, I do kind of get it at the same time that it's like maybe it's a bit too much too quickly and it's not super well defined. But I'm hoping the rest of the season goes into it. And to be clear, I don't hate it by any means. I'm just so curious, like what her power level is supposed to be in the MCU. And I'm hoping I'm sure we're going to get this, but I'm hoping we get get a, either a scene in the show or maybe in, in another Marvel movie where they explain like, hey, here's how I knew I could do all this. I'm sure we're going to get it in the show. But then I hope they don't like change. Like, I hope we don't go back to the movies and then she's still like just kind of turning her hands red and flicking things around every now and then. Like if they're going to make her this powerful in the show, I hope they continue it into the context of the, the movie universe as well. It's a good point. I agree with both you guys on all that. Uh, the thing I'm thinking about like the hex. So it's just giant energy field. I just don't see, maybe she is able to, to constantly maintain that, but I don't know. I, I I'm thinking there might be something, external that we're not seeing that might be helping her do all this i agree that kind of takes us into agnes keith and i just i gotta know what the hell is going on with agnes like it's almost like she now sees herself as an actress within the hex like there's a scene where she's like hey can we take it from the top so what are you guys thinking dude does she still have her own plans back to your point about how if she's controlling the hex like how much of this universe does she actually have control over and she comes in she always comes in at the right moment and then, like you said, that take it from the top thing, she says it so nonchalantly, like as if her and Wanda have like something behind the scenes going on. Like she's like, oh, you want to take that from the top? But she almost seems scared, too, which almost yeah. makes me think that she's a victim. Yeah, I think they could make a play either way at this point. Um, if they go with that she's just another victim, it begs the question why last episode she wasn't included on that board whenever sword was putting together like people's profiles because she's like the like the main one so it, i do feel like there's more to her character but they, they they could maybe do both maybe somehow she's a victim and also a victimizer i don't know they also bring up that terminology when describing wand in this episode but i really don't know um it should be noted that we have seen other characters in the sitcom break a little bit like herb and the doctor clearly about to mention like so hard to leave or i'm stuck here but nobody has done what agnes did nobody has people have acknowledged that they're stuck nobody's acknowledged that this is a sitcom so that was a pretty big deal i thought so i don't know why i I don't know what she could be doing but tying back to what we were just talking about i think they could make a play that and to austin's question about how wanda's powers work maybe she's just a really she's way more of a telepath than we thought like it's it's totally possible for her to like kind of mind control a thousand people at a time in this town maybe though she because she said she doesn't know how this started so maybe agnes or whoever the villain ends up being maybe they created the force field and they're maintaining it 
and just somehow through manipulating Wanda's grief turn to her kind of controlling these people's minds without maybe knowing. So I don't know. It's hard to say how they're going to do that. And she kind of brings that up too in the argument when she's like, Vision, you really think I'm I'm doing all this? I'm making sure these people get to their dentist appointments. Like I'm making sure they all go to bed. Like she's like, I'm, I can't control all this. So maybe I'm, there's got to be something else at play here because if she really is doing all this, at what point do her powers get drained as well? I don't know. That's, I can't wait to find out, but I think they're just going to, I don't know, man. I don't know. It feels, doesn't it at this point, they'll feel maybe too easy that Agnes is a villain. I feel like there will be a villain, but maybe it's not going to be her. I do think she, she is in on something in some sort of way, because so part of the argument with her and uh, Vision starts with her doing her, uh, using her powers in front of Agnes. A- Agnes bends over to like help the kids with something like that. She just does something quick with her powers and Vision's like, what What the hell are you doing? Like, why are you doing, why are you using your powers in front of her? And she's like, oh, it's okay. It's just Agnes. Yeah. And then he's, oh, okay. (laughs) What does that mean? I really don't think she's a villain anymore after this episode. One reason because she looks so scared whenever she's like, hey, take it from the top. Like, she looks really scared to ask Wanda that question. And then the other thing being whenever the dog dies at the end and the kids are like, mom, just bring him back from the dead. You can fix anything. Uh, Agnes, under her breath, goes, you can do that? And she seems really surprised by the fact that Wanda would be able to do that. That's so I, just, I feel like a villain wouldn't be asking that question. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. I really don't know. I just don't know. I, I do. I kind of lean towards what Austin's saying. I just feel like maybe like they were hoping they were they, they could use Agnes as like their big red herring for the season. But now as time's gone on, it's like now everybody thinks that it's, it just seems too obvious. I don't think Marvel would do that. I think I think she could be in on it, like Keith said, but I think there might be something more sinister at play, especially when they confirm that Wanda doesn't know how this started, which I think obviously implies she didn't create it. She just woke up in the sitcom, saw the family unit and was like, I don't care. And that's kind of what she's saying to Vision at the end, too. It's like, why do you care? We have a family. Just be happy. Like, I know this is weird, but let's just go with it. So I kind of I kind of like that that aspect of it, too. Um Kind of another fun thing to bring up, we're talking a lot about people's powers, how the hell, you know, that all works. And I'm curious, I mean, what do we think the future holds for Tommy and Billy, the weirdly fast aging kids? I mean, they clearly have their own powers in this world. Yeah, to that point, I'm really thinking there's going to be more conflict uh, whenever they hit high school age, just trying to balance kind of, you know, puberty hormones and then also their powers. Like that could be definitely like a sitcom trope as well. So I, I feel like that's definitely going to be a plot point in the coming episodes. It's kind of interesting too, because if you think about it, and this just kind of, this just struck me, but if they're not real people and Wanda did basically, I guess some, again, I don't know if this is in her power set, but if she like manipulated solid matter to create children, does that mean that they could leave Westview? Like whenever this show is over, is it possible that we could have like two new superheroes, the children of Wanda and Vision as like maybe recurring characters in the MCU? Like, could we see them again? I don't know. Maybe they'll become main characters in the future. I think so. I think that's why Monica says nothing and there's an illusion. It's all real. I think the kids are here to stay. Hmm. It's just that everything that goes in there, though, reverts to the time of which decade it's in. So they had to send that 80s drone in there. They couldn't send a modern-day drone because then she would turn it into something 80s and wouldn't work or whatever. So they had to send an 80s drone in there, which I thought was kind of cool they did that. Uh, but going back to the kids, yeah, are they even real? Or if they, But if they, like you said, Austin, if it's nothing in there is illusion, would they maybe revert back to like a 
like a babies whenever they get out of the hex yeah, or I don't something. Know. I don't know. They could do anything. What with age it. would they be? I wouldn't be surprised actually if that's how this all ends because I feel like the show will end with Vision like, you know, being dead again. But maybe they'll find a way to keep the kids around, which is maybe a way Wanda kind of fully leaves behind some of this villainous plot and like embraces that aspect. Like I'll continue to raise the kids uh, and then move forward from there. But I don't know. I'm really curious. So I think the politics of S.W.O.R.D. are, you know, starting to pan out somewhat to what I was predicting in the sense that half the crew thinks that Juan is a terrorist, while the other half thinks that something bigger is going on a driver to carry out the things that she's doing. So Jimmy and Monica are definitely battling it out now with director Hayward. Uh, do you think he's a good guy that's just trying to do good and kind of just has a different perspective on things? Or do you think he's secretly trying to frame Wanda and there's something bigger going on with him? I kind of hate what they're doing with his character. like. This is just such an easy, yeah. easy plot to follow where like, oh no, the latest director of the government organization doesn't trust the superheroes. Like at this point, like we're so deep into the MCU. We've seen this already with S.H.I.E.L.D. I guess we have to go through it again with S.W.O.R.D. But it's like, how how many times do they have to save the world to earn the benefit of the doubt? Like at, at, at this point, this late in the MCU, we should not still be doing this tired plot. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I don't totally hate what he's saying. Obviously, I disagree with it, but- the writing behind what they had him say is fine. I just don't think it was executed super well because whenever he's saying like, um, so they started off as villains. They worked for Ultron, right? And then Monica's like, well, yeah. And then it's like, and then she like killed a bunch of people in Lagos, right? It's like, well, yeah, that's true. Which started the Sokovia Accords, remember? It's like, yeah, I guess. And then it's like, it's like, I get what he's saying. And now here we have thousands of people hostage and she's maybe the one doing it is this really out of her MO is this whole point? And I'm like, okay, as an audience member, I can at least get what he's saying, but it's just handled so weird. Whenever he's like, tell me, Jimmy, does she have a weird superhero name? And he's like, no. And they use that as like an argument that she's a bad guy. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I, I really thought this is when Jimmy was going to be like, yeah, uh, Scarlet Witch. Dude, if they had done that, though, that would have been worse. <laughs> if, this is, if this was the <laughs> way they introduced it been her terrible. superhero name, that would have been so bad. He's like, well, I don't know, but her her clothes are red, and wow, what crazy hand movements. She's the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> well, especially when they were like, I'm calling it the Hex. I, I really was thinking somebody else was going to be like, oh, like a witch. And then somebody else was going to be like, Scarlet. Wow. <laughs> Oh my god. I feel like Darcy might end up saying that later. Then I remembered though, this is the MCU, mm. not the DCEU. You're right. You're right. We can never forget that. But I do agree with you ultimately. It's just I get what his character is doing, but Austin is hundred percent right. It's so tired and predictable. It's like him trying to kill her. I don't hate that idea. Because I mean, again, we have thousands of hostages. They use the word thousands. And it's like if you think remotely she could be uh, the person responsible, I get it. But again, it was just handled so poorly and it ended so badly. There was no way that was going to end well. Why did you think a missile would stop Wanda after what you've seen? It's just, that's stupid. So, How many times have government agencies fired missiles at superheroes in this world and not had it work out exactly the way they thought? Like, When do they have like a, a bulletin in the government employee handbook where it's like, do not shoot missiles at superheroes? It She's literally well. a telepath. We've been talking about that. Even if you shoot it, she's just going to grab it and destroy it. So I don't know. Just goofy. But um, yeah, I mean, any other thoughts? I mean, I think the question, though, like of is sword, is there an ulterior motive could be an interesting conversation. I think right now I'm more leaning towards 
they're trying to do good. It's just that director Hayward might have taken the whole, um, I think they should have played the slower game, which it seems like that was Monica's plan. Like, let's take this a bit easier. Let's work the angle. Let's try and communicate with Wanda, tell her that this is dangerous. She's hurting people and she doesn't know it. And his response was just to try and kill her immediately. So I don't think they're bad people. I just think they handled this scenario wrong. Do you guys agree? Like, what do you think? Is, is Sword going to have yeah. some crazy reveal to be evil? I don't know. I think director Hayward, you know, he was arguing with Jimmy in a way, kind of like mm -hmm. uh, passive aggressively there in the meeting they were having. And and he was kind of, you know, he was like you said, he was going through his summary of who they were and all that. And and then Jimmy was like, that's a bit of an over oversimplification. And you can tell he just didn't give a shit. He's just trying to do his job. So I think that's what it is. I think the guy's just trying to do his job and do good for the country and I, he's just looking at it in the sense of yeah there's there's an entire town being taken hostage so i don't think he's really looking i don't think he cares about the whole superhero aspect what whereas i think jimmy and monica and them are looking at it more from a, an avenger perspective i guess which i like because they have experience jimmy with ant-man monica with captain marvel so maybe you could even argue that and if hayward doesn't then it's like you, I'm not saying I wouldn't, but you somebody could make the argument. Like if Hayward in the next episode said, why are you arguing with me, Jimmy? You're fucking best friends with Ant-Man. Monica grew up with Captain Marvel. You guys are biased. I don't care. I'm trying to do my job. Like they could have that line and it could make sense. So, you know, it's one of those things. And on that note, I don't think S.W.O.R.D. as a whole is going to be evil because they've kind of established it was founded by Monica's mom, right. who was best friends with Captain Marvel. So I don't think there's any way S.W.O.R.D. would have ulterior motive against the Avengers or the superheroes. I agree. I think they're just going about this wrong, but, you know, not totally surprising. Um, along those lines, you guys want to talk a little bit more about that scene where Wanda confronts Hayward and all that? I love this. I loved whenever she uh, turned all the guns on him and walked back in and like seemingly made the field stronger. It was so cool. My only nitpick with this scene, this might be my only nitpick with the episode, actually, besides her accent. Her accent was a little jarring because, again, I was like... In the sitcom, there are moments when she speaks with like just a normal American accent. Well, so it's like, why is she now leaving? And she sounds so, I don't know, weird. But um, I just thought it was weird. Like if it was me out there, if I was Monica, I would, I would the whole time while this is going down, I would just be yelling at Wanda, Wanda, the, you're killing these people. There's radiation. We're tracking it. We're measuring it. It's dangerous. You're going to kill these people. We know you don't want to, but you got to stop. Uh, and no one ever says that. <laughs> Monica's just like, Wanda. We know you don't want to do this. And it's just like, get to get to the important stuff. Get to the important stuff. <laughs> she never does. Devil's advocate here. They haven't yet said that the levels are dangerous yet. It's just tough because now Wanda has no reason to stop because she thinks it's safe. I mean, they could have maybe slipped that in there. I don't know. Any, any other part of this cool scene you guys wanted to call out? I certainly did not expect her to leave the bubble midway through the show. Like, I didn't think she'd be leaving the bubble willingly. Like, I, I, I guess I was kind of expecting, like... Once she leaves the bubble, the chance is going to kind of be like worn off for her as well. But the fact that she walked out was like, leave me alone and walk back in. That, that totally caught me off guard. Yeah, same here. It came up fast, but I did like it. Her coming out and she looked badass and she was in her original attire from last we saw her was in Endgame. So yeah, that was cool. So let, moving on here, let's maybe you guys can help me out on this one. But who is Monica referencing when she refers to the aerospace science engineer that could help them out. Am I missing? Is this supposed to be like a obvious thing? Like, is it Bruce Banner or is it? I don't think you're missing anything, Keith. I think this is one of those things that people are speculating on. Um, the one thing I've been seeing 
because they did announce at the Disney Investor Day that they are the guy that directed the Spider-Man movies is directing a Fantastic Four movie. So it could be Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. But again, it's not like they're just going to introduce this guy out of nowhere when that movie is so far off. So maybe it was just a fun Easter egg. But again, it was weird that she mentioned it. Then they did a close up of her like texting or about to make a call on the phone. And then they just didn't mention it. Now that Iron Man is dead, really the only sciencey people we have left in the MCU is Spider-Man and Bruce Banner. I wouldn't really refer to either one of them as aerospace science engineers, though. So, yeah, I'm kind of confused, too, as to who it could be. It would kind of be weird if if Peter Parker just swung up one day and was like, like, hey, I'm Pete. I'm here to help, you know? (laughs) So, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be really weird. (laughs) I would hate that. (laughs) (laughs) This little boy comes in. I'm here to save save you from the hex. Uh, I was called... I was called. I was in. I was in gym class, and I was called that they needed an aerospace science engineer. Oh man! Would you guys be disappointed if we got Bruce Banner like in human form and and like never saw him as the Hulk? Like he just showed up as as Bruce Banner for this one? I don't think he can. I think after Endgame, I feel like he's uh, permanently the smart Hulk. I know he's like come to terms with it, but I think there's got to be some days where he's like, I'm gonna be a human today. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. Um, again, the problem is I don't think he has – he is smart, obviously, but I just don't think he has anything to do with aerospace. And they clearly mentioned that for some reason. I don't know why. So maybe they'll resolve that this season. Maybe it will be a cool reveal, but I genuinely don't know. Well, guys, let's do it. I think we got to have some Evan Peters talk now. All right. Let's get into it. Our final talking point of the day. We got to save the biggest and best for last. Yeah, Evan Peters, he's in this show as Pietro Maximoff, a.k.a. Quicksilver, not Aaron Taylor Johnson, as we talked about. I'm assuming that this is the Luke Skywalker level cameo that Elizabeth Olsen was talking about all week. I always figured we would see Quicksilver return in this show based on the premise of it, kind of the fact that characters can return in weird ways. I just assumed this would happen. But I never would have expected that the same character from the X-Men movie series to show, would show up instead. And it's just pretty cool since the MCU and Fox Marvel movies have never interacted before. And now that Disney has bought Fox, it makes me wonder if they are going to do anything else with those actors. James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, any of those guys. I don't know. Like, what did you guys think about this moment? Before we talk about the future... This actual moment, did this work for you? Was this cool? Was this exciting? Let me know. Can we just talk directly to Elizabeth Olsen for a second here? We can. We can. There's nobody in the world that would consider Quicksilver is on the same level as CGI, trembling lip, de-aged Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. Like, yeah. you can't you can't throw that out there and then it's just Pietro Maximoff. I agree. If it had been Aaron Taylor Johnson, though, I'd agree with you a bit more. I do think the Evan Peters thing is genuinely shocking. My jaw was dropped last night when I was watching this because, I mean, it's it's just crazy. I mean, this was the Fox movies that never could cross over. They could never mention. If you guys remember when they did the X-Men movies and they introduced Quicksilver back in Days of Future Past, it was like, oh, that's cool. And then Age of Ultron was coming out and they had this whole thing. They were like, hey. Fox owns the rights to X-Men and the word mutant. So even though Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are mutants, you can't call them that. You can't mention that Magneto's their father. You can't, like, do all this important stuff with the character. And now they're interacting. It's just, it's so, it's, like, mind-bending to me. So it was cool. I do agree with you. This is not Luke Skywalker level. Is it possible, Austin, since you bring that up, 
What could they do? Let's say, let's let's skip ahead to the finale. Let's go f a few weeks into the future. What cameo could they do that would make you go, hmm, that was Luke Skywalker level? First of all, though, in all seriousness, I do got to say, I did not realize how important this show was going to be to the MCU. Like, they've officially brought in the X-Men now, essentially, yeah. with Evan Peters being in here. So, like, that's that's crazy. And it, it was such, like, a low-key moment. He opens the door in a sitcom, and now the X-Men are here. It's like, that's crazy. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's crazy. Um, But, dude, I've been seeing so much speculation. And now that Evan Peters is here, I don't... Is Magneto the villain? Is that possible? I don't I've know. seen it so Whoa. much. Could that happen? I don't. I don't know if he's the villain. That would be a Luke Skywalker level moment for me. If Michael Fassbender popped up, that would be that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, just Magneto in general, like that would be insane. On a sitcom show, Magneto walks in. Like, come on. That would be cool. I would probably be. <laughs> I'd probably enjoy that more than C CGI de-aged Mark Hamill. Honestly, <laughs> I think we all would. Uh, I like. I like Mark Hamill. I like Luke Skywalker, but that lip was just trembling a bit too much for me. <laughs> what about you, Keith? Talk to me. How'd you feel about this moment? Was this cool for you? Because I'm gonna be honest with. I'm gonna be honest with you, Keith. When I watched this episode, I was so excited and curious to see what you would think of this. So please inform us. <laughs> What I have to say is going to sound really ridiculous because it is ridiculous. I'm ready. You know how it showed the back of his head before we saw the face? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try to say this out laughing. You know how his hair was gray? Mm -hmm. I was thinking, is that fucking Michael Douglas? <laughs> <laughs> I really thought that Michael Douglas from Ant-Man wow. somehow, somehow made his way into this thing because it looked exactly like his head from the back. Oh. I love that. That was my first thought. I love that. And then it, and then I was actually kind of disappointed whenever <laughs> I saw Evan Peters. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I really thought that was Michael Douglas. But then I was happy to see that it was Evan Peters from X-Men. What do you think, Matt? What, is there a cameo they could do at the end for you that would be Luke Skywalker level? Well, I will say this one was pretty close to me. In terms of surprise factor, I mean, it's equal for me. But if there was going to be another one, I don't know. Would Magneto do it? Magneto, Magneto would, would do, do it. it for me. You're right. I would be shocked. Magneto would do it for me, but yeah, I don't know. I could see that happening. I mean, since she's, or he's the father in that universe, so. Oh, actually, you know what? You know what? You know what cameo would do it? Coming from me after what I said uh, the other week, but because it's a sitcom, I do think they actually could do it in a really fun, meaningful way. Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool coming into a sitcom. As the villain, though? No, no, just as a cameo. Just as a cameo. He's just laying on the couch eating pizza yeah. or something like yeah. that? Yeah, that could be fun. I was thinking that, too. I was like, man, that would be fun if Deadpool popped up in this. But then I was like, it wouldn't make sense as a villain. But no, that would be cool, too. Just even getting away from the show for a second, I'm so excited to see how they decide to have Deadpool pop up in the MCU. I, I can't wait for that moment. It's going to be good. It's going to For someone that's been a bit down on Deadpool lately, I just I am curious how they're going to utilize him. And they've said it's going to stay R-rated, so that could be interesting. Um, so yeah, now that we've talked about kind of just how the moment played out and what it meant and how cool and crazy it was, how do you guys think that, I can't even believe we're saying this because I assume this is more than a cameo. So what, what the hell is the point of this? Because right before this happens, Wanda says to Vision, I did not do this. Like it's whenever the doorbell rang, that's not her manifesting this moment. So someone else did. Agnes, somebody else, I don't know. Um, how do you think Evan Peters' Quicksilver factors into the rest of the season? Is it for good, for evil? What do you think? Tommy and Billy are going to grow up to be Cyclops and Wolverine. <laughs> what a cool combo. Wow. 
Can't wait for that. James Marsden returning. Hugh Jackman. Wow. I think uh, it could be just kind of be something like whenever we do leave the hex, I think when that closes, maybe it causes like a rift in reality and that merges the X-Men universe and the MCU universe. And now we have the mutants uh, and the Avengers coexisting. Yeah, I think it's possible that he could be evil in a way, especially since he's recast, you know, it's not the original Pietro from her life. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, that could definitely be a good case. Um, so you're you're thinking Quicksilver might be the villain? Maybe not a villain, but just like a, a fake construct yeah. by whoever is running the, the background of this uh, of the world that that she's not in control of. I don't know though. I don't know why you bring in Evan Peters though. That's why it's like weird. if you wanted it to do that, you would do Aaron Taylor Johnson. But it's noted by Darcy, like, oh, why does she recast? Right. You know, because they're th- they're still thinking that she's in control of all of it. They still chose the guy in. Like, if they just wanted to have it, why does she recast be a throwaway line? They would have just gotten a brand new actor. Like they chose the guy that's in the Fox universe to be in the show. So they they must be doing something to introduce the X-Men. Could be a combination of things. I think this could, I mean, somebody literally plucked Evan Peters from the X-Men timeline and dropped him in the MCU. So clearly this is the start of X-Men moving over. It could also, in a crazy twist, I think, because they've announced the X-Men are coming, I do think they largely could recast the X-Men, but maybe they kind of just in a fun way pick and choose ones that people really like. People love Evan Peters as Quicksilver. Maybe if Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy are like, hey, I'd love to play Professor X and Magneto still, then they can take them and put them in here and then maybe they just recast the rest of the X-Men. So I think, yeah, in part it is to set up that the X-Men are coming to the MCU. But I do think Keith is also right. I do think this will play a part into the story because... Who picked him out of that universe and put him here? Was it a villain in order to try and get some weird emotion out of Wanda? I don't know. Because, like, I I do agree with Austin that if a villain wanted to manipulate Wanda, they would put Aaron Taylor Johnson there. But if they're going for this element of he's dead, he's not coming back. Wanda can't resurrect a dead human. She can puppet vision, but she can't bring someone back from the death. I don't know if that's what they're saying. My point being, if he doesn't exist anymore, maybe they just grab a different Pietro and put him here. I don't know. There's there's a, there's a mixture of things here is my point. I think they're trying to set up X-Men stuff and also, I I don't know, the villain must have, I feel like the villain of the show must have done this for some reason that I'm not 100% sure of. The only way that you're going to be able to, to introduce the X-Men to the MCU and not have it be weird of like, why haven't they been here the whole time? It's going to have to be through, through some like alternate reality, some time some rift or something that causes these universes to collide. That's true. So I think there being a, a rift in reality in this show sets up the perfect occasion to combine the worlds. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Because like whenever, like for example, what if Vision in the next episode, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, what if he went, he walks up to Quicksilver and does the the norm thing on his mind? Does the guy start, does he start referencing that, like, where am I? Like, where's the X-Men? Like, does he, you know what I mean? Does he start referencing that he clearly is that character? Or is he, like Keith said, like some weird fake construct for some reason? So, I don't know. I think we might need to wait and see. I think the next episode, I hope, kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit more on that. And hopefully Agnes as well. Because as we've seen this season, I feel like whenever things get to a peak of curiosity, the next episode, they usually kind of, pull back the curtain. I feel like Agnes was in a lot of this episode doing some weird shit. So maybe next episode is where we finally get the curtain pulled back on her. I hope so. Cause I think it might help us figure out what's going to happen. So next week will be time to tune back in for the Evan Peters show. 
Can't wait. Quicksilver. Probably going to be some commercial about him. So it'll be fun. All right, everybody. Well, I think that is going to do it for us today. We can't wait to see what happens next week on this show. But if you enjoyed this episode of The Arnie's, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow this show. Also, please leave us a review. Even if you don't want to write something, five stars really does help quite a bit, especially on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for part two of our Dungeons & Dragons series. It's time to find out if we can save our friends and do even remotely better in combat. (laughs) I hope so. We got some shit rolls last time, but this time I think we're going to have some better luck. So stay tuned for that. Like we also mentioned, our James Bond series is ongoing. We just did Skyfall, so stay tuned for Spectre. And like we mentioned last week, Austin and I started a new gaming series called Co-op Couch. We put out our first episode, which is about our most anticipated games of 2021. So keep an eye out for that. It's going to be a monthly series. So end of February will be our next one. And of course, this is our WandaVision bonus series. Each and every Sunday, we will put out our review and reaction to the latest episode. We will be back next week for episode six. Only have a few left. How the hell is this going to play out? I have no idea, but I can't wait to see. It's already gone by so fast. I can't believe we're already on five. I know. Now. It's crazy. But yeah, uh, check us out on Instagram at the Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and upcoming episodes. Let us know how your rewatch of Skyfall went. Remember, go back and rewatch Casino and Quantum. Go listen to those episodes. Those were fun reviews. Uh, also, remember to give us your theories on WandaVision. What's going to happen in the next three episodes? And... Give us your character on D&D. We want to read them. We want to see them. Hell yeah. Yeah, please send us your characters. I really want to read some amazing backstories. And that's going to do it for us today, everybody. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Tuesday. Oh, wait, before we go, guys, highlight of the episode, baby vision in that picture. (laughs) 